Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robin's on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 4557. Welcome along to Robins on the Wild with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. On this week's podcast, we'll be discussing that brilliant win at the Liberty Stadium against Swansea City last Saturday. Also, we'll be hearing from the exiled Robin. He has a big presence on social media. We're always keen to get a fan perspective on the podcast because we never want to speak for the fans. So the exiled Robin is on the podcast. Some interesting thoughts on what he had to say about how some fans view Lee Johnson and if that will sort of ever change. Greg will up with him today, so we're hearing about that. Also be hearing from Nicholas Eliasson on life at Bristol City, how he's finding it. And uh, there's a nice little line about what he did during the World Cup with some of the City squad. And also be hearing from the Children's Hospice Southwest, which is a charity that Bristol City are so involved with. Gregor went down there today. And another thing we'll be talking about is Bobby Reid and how he's getting on a card of City. But Gregor, let's start with, as we said, Swansea City at the weekend. High press, 30 seconds on the clock, Bristol City score. Why don't they do this every week? Yeah, brilliant, wasn't it? They fully deserved the win. Um, I was discussing it beforehand with one of the guys in the press room and we were saying we could maybe see Bristol City winning 1-0, but we thought if they did, it might be a back-to-the-walls kind of job. They might have to hold out for a long period of the game. But it wasn't anything like that, was it? I mean, no, really first, half, first half of the game, I, I thought that's the best I've seen Bristol City playing away from home, if not for a long time, possibly ever in my short tenure of covering them anyway. Their away form has been so bad, though, hasn't it? Mm. What's changed in the last week? A win against QPR and a win against Swansea City? Well, we're going to come on to this, but, yeah, a lot of the fans were sort of moaning about Lee Johnson after the Middlesbrough defeat, mm. and I, th- I thought that was a bit unfair because a lot of them was, were pointing out, maybe rightfully, about their form in 2018, which has been woeful. But at the same time, Lee obviously piloted the club up to second place. So I, I kind of view last season as in as good and bad, um, but a lot of people seem to just be remembering the bad, not the good. So, yeah, I, I was kind of pleased for Lee. They got this result um, and and now it really feels like the Robins season has got started. And, yeah, I'm not too sure whether he has changed too much apart from the the, the team is sort of starting to gel, starting to, um, yeah, they've got some good players there. To me, it just felt like they were pressing with more intent than they had in the, the few previous games. Is that fair? Or, you, I mean, you've seen them more than I have. But we were both at the game on Saturday. But that press was really intense. Was it just that Swansea couldn't cope with it? Yeah, there was certainly a lot of intensity to their play. And um, you know me, I'm one for the stats and I like to keep an eye on these things. And certainly looking where the Bristol City have been making their tackles and that, you you can see when you analyse 
where they're making these challenges and that, that it's quite high up the pitch and that invariably leads to good chances and often goals. So, uh, yeah, I was really impressed by the energy shown, certainly by the likes of sort of Josh Brownhill and Andreas Wyman. I'm sure we'll come on to him. Yeah, he, he never stops running, does he? Yeah, that's, that's what I like about... But you've got running. two guys up top at the moment like that. You've got Matty Taylor, who gives everything for the cause, and Andreas Wyman, who, who doesn't stop. Interestingly, I saw Matty Taylor just after and said, you know, well played, thought you were coming off them because there was that confusion with the substitutes in, uh, late on in the game. So we thought, for a moment, I thought that four subs had been made, but what had happened is... Who went down injured? Uh, Jack Hunt. Went down injured, and suddenly the bench were made aware, and who was it that didn't get on? Um, it was going to be... Because Jay De Silva was getting ready. He was the one who was going to come on, wasn't he? Yeah. And um, instead they brought on, obviously, Eros Pisano to cover for Jack Hunt, yeah. who'd gone down at right back. So. That's right. So um, Matty Taylor didn't come off in that yeah. whole mix around. And he said, oh, no, I was ready to come off. Because he, <laughs> he will run and run. He said, he said also, he thought he got something on Vyman's goal. He was going to claim it. And he was like, oh, Andres Vyman ran off claiming it. But it, if, you, if you watch the replay, they were both there. But I think it's fair to say it was Vyman's goal. But they've got that healthy competition. But is Matty Taylor going to be sacrificed when Fumara Gigi is back from his ban? Yeah, good question. I, I think he will. I know Lee just thinks that Fam has played so well in pre-season and looks so good in training uh, behind the scenes. He, he couldn't stop talking about him basically in the first, in the run-up to the start of the new season. Um, but that's not to say that Matty Taylor hasn't played well. I think he's been excellent actually the last two games and um, great goal at QPR. But He was a great goal. I, th- I don't think he's got enough credit for that goal, has he? Because no. a lot of people are saying, oh, went onto the keep, the keeper should have done better. But it was so low and such a yeah, great finish. convincing shot. Great finish. I th- I, he will almost certainly play a role. If he's back on the bench on Sunday, then he will definitely play a role because he, I'm, I'm sure he'll Is she you eligible for Sunday? Yes. So that, it was a six-game man. Yeah. And because of the League Cup, he has fulfilled the ban. Yes. Yeah. So on Sunday against Blackburn Rovers, do we expect to see Gigi up top with Vyman? Yeah, I think so. I think that's going to be one heck of a strike force, isn't it? I, I, could be. I really do think um, Jeju could score 20 goals this season. Even uh, missing the first six games? Even missing the first Well, the first five games. league games. Yeah, sorry, first five league games. Even missing those, I I think he's going to be set for a really good season if he shows the form that he did last year. And he was razor sharp in pre-season. And yeah, I just think it's going to be a great partnership, touch wood, with uh, Andreas Wyman, obviously, who's Wyman. Did we say Wyman or Wyman? Is it Wyman? I think it's Wyman. Well, no, do you know what? Everyone in the pressure was saying Wyman on, uh, on Saturday. Well, Blackburn Rovers, why, Gregor, can you shed some light? This is a Sunday afternoon 1.30 kickoff. It's not on telly. Um, yeah, I haven't got an answer to that one because uh, obviously the rugby's on the Friday night as well. So, is that why? Um, well, they're on the playing on the Friday night, so yeah, it can't I know, be because of that. Well, yeah, as I say, is it pitch turnaround time? Because they play. I'm pretty yeah. sure they played back to back days last season. Yeah, I think they did. Of so, course they did. Yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't know the answers to that one. If you had a question about that, we don't know. But <laughs> what is good is Bristol City would have had eight days off, so yeah. no midweek game, no League Cup action. So they're going to be fresh for this. Yeah, Lee Johnson jetted out, didn't he, on Sunday to Portugal. Um, so, yeah, it's the... Now, press- what, what was he doing out there? Uh, well, probably just a, a, a little, little break, rest. mini break. A bit of golf, maybe. But, um, Very nice. 
Yeah, the press conference, club press conference is on Thursday tomorrow, so mm -hmm. we haven't had that yet. I hope to hear from either the head coach or Dean Holden and, yeah, maybe get an update on where they stand and whether they're actually going to bring in anyone yeah. and cover Corey Smith before the end They've of the They've only got two window. days. Yeah. Um, if they're going to bring in anyone, have you heard any names? No, and I probably should say Lee Johnson did play down the chances of that happening and there's a, quite a few people convinced that Bristol City will bring in somebody and I've seen a few rumours linking Luke Amos and I know from my sources that he isn't going to be coming to Bristol City um, but do, do I, they need someone? I, I, I'm not too sure I mean if, if they don't it means that Liam Walsh is going to be played a fair bit and that's probably what you want is he good enough? well I think he needs a bit of time on the pitch certainly uh, interestingly Lee Johnson said last week that ideally he would give Liam Walsh a loan to a League One club fighting up at the right end of the table. And then Corey Smith gets injured. Yeah, so maybe... I, I just think there's going to be a lot of Premier League players going on loan in the next couple of days, though, so could be something to keep an eye on. I'll, I thought, I'll tell you someone who's not coming is Tammy Abraham. No, definitely not, definitely not. It's a shame. Mm. We're saying that, you know, strikers are fine. It's the midfielder they need. But um, just before we make your next point, Thomas Callis on loan. Brilliant. What a signing. Mm. And Adam Webster looks so much better next to Callas, how is Nathan Baker getting back in the team? That's a very good point. Uh, obviously, Nathan Baker did travel the weekend. He was on the bench, so I'm not sure if he was 100% fit, but he was obviously well enough to take a, some role. But, um, yeah, I thought both of them looked excellent. And just a like, little small point on them, but it was both of them, it was the way they were passing the ball out from the back. I was watching closely how they were feeding the two full-backs and they were just really smacking the passes out wide, putting a lot of pace on the ball. A lot of zip on it. Yeah, a lot of zip on it, a lot of accuracy, straight to feet. Um, and those kind of passes, they don't always... Well, uh, they're difficult passes, really. They're really difficult. So, to, hit, to hit a ball like that, it's sort of not quite with your instep, not quite your laces. It's that bit in between. And the yeah. technique required for that is And is every, good. every team presses high, so it's, it's kind of high risk because if you get it wrong... Oh, yeah. 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 But these passes were accurate. They're going out every time, and it really got the Robins going forward well as as well. So uh, yeah, it bodes really well for the rest of the season. And what were you, what was the final point you're going to make about Smith and a replacement? Oh, just <laughs> just I thought it was interesting that Lee Johnson said last week that he'd had conversations with Manchester City over the summer. So I don't know. Maybe who, who would any names? Oh, well, Phil Foden. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, it's not going to happen. No, he's too involved. I wonder if maybe someone like. Brahim Diaz or someone a bit okay. slightly further. Well, that's still a big name. Yeah, wow. he, he's not so far from the first from the first team either. But again, if Foden's the guy who's kind of covering, um, who got injured in the middle? Kevin player, De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Then maybe there's an opening for Diaz. I don't know, but I'm speculating there. That, yeah, that is massive speculation. But wow, that that would certainly do some good towards Bristol City's season. Out wide, Marley Watkins has been getting the nod. Do you think that's because Bristol City spent money on him? Maybe Lee Johnson felt, well, we need to give him a chance. We've invested this money into him. Because I thought Callum O'Dowder looked brilliant. Yeah, Callum O'Dowder actually had the most successful tackles during the game on um, Saturday. Which I might, thought he was might, excellent. Which might surprise you or might not. Um, I'm not... I've not been the biggest fan of Calamo Dalla this season. I, I feel like he's been looked a little bit rusty at times. With no, he has. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But I don't think he did on Saturday. I thought he was brilliant. Mm, yeah. He did, did you not? He, no, that was his best game of the season, without doubt. He, going um, forward, he looked strong. Mm. Tracking back, he was winning the ball, as you've just 
said with that statistic. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember him giving the ball away much. Maybe I'm biased because I'm an Odalda fan, but I thought he was very good. Would you not start Odalda now instead of Mar- Marley Watkins? Yes, I would be tempted to do that. However, I wouldn't play either of them. You'd play I would, Patterson. I'd play Patterson. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because I understand. I just think Bristol City have got their attack going now. They've got Vyman or Wyman and Jeju, Taylor, all these guys scoring oh, goals up front. Where does Patterson go in that group? Yeah, uh, well... I think they need to get the midfield scoring. That's the next thing. If they can get the midfield scoring as well, mm. and this is, I think, the problem. They're not getting enough goals from midfield at the moment. Mm. So if they got that, they'd really be pushing top four. So Nicholas Lyerson, yes, providing the assists. So you need, leave him. You need, leave him on one yeah, side. You need a goal scorer, I think, in the middle there. Obviously, Brownie's got goals in him. He hit the crossbar. Are you said you put Patterson in the middle? No, I would play him out wide on the other wing. Ah, OK. I, I do think it's a shame that Jamie Patterson hasn't been involved more, considering... You know, at times he was so good last season. Mm. Is there an element of when a manager spends money on players like Marley Watkins that they feel that they should play them? I think with Watkins, and I am a fan of Watkins, and I yes, I would give him more game time. Um, I think it's because he's got the pedigree. I've explained this before. Okay, didn't have a good last season at Norwich, but go back the year before, and he was in the top. By, um, top ten players in the league for goals and assists. So he's done. He's been there. He's done it. Um, he's getting into the right areas. He got on the end of an Elias and crossed, and he headed it over at Swansea. He did the same at QPR, I think it was. So he keeps getting into the pomo position, as Lee Johnson loves to call it, position of maximum opportunity. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and um, if he keeps doing that, then he will get goals, and he's he's proven that he's done that before. So the other thing about Marley Watkins is he. He's very good physically, if you notice. He doesn't get knocked off the ball No, he's, quite, he's bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. Um, so. Talking of wingers, let's hear from Nicholas Eliasson. Adam Baker, who will be on the podcast with us next week, uh, had a quick chat with him. And here's what he had to say about life in Bristol City and becoming more integrated into the squad. I think it's... Uh... Uh, when when I first moved here, it was everything new, like a new country, new team, uh, and everything around, like on the pitch and off the pitch, it was everything like new new to me. But now, I uh, I think I've settled in in a better way, uh, off the pitch and on the pitch as well. And uh, and of course, I worked really hard during the summer to, as well to come back fit and to come back uh, like in a good way to to give myself the best opportunities for to do a good uh, good season. So I think the se- pre-season started well. Uh, I played quite much and, and uh, this scored to come from some goals and some assists in the, in the pre-season and then I just tried to t- take that with me into the, in the, into the season. So, uh, yeah, it's been a good start. So, like you said, I've, uh, I've been playing quite a lot and, and uh, a couple of ass- assists so far as well. So, it's good. Um, you seem more, how do I put it, together with the group now. I mean, you've, you've learned the championship by either mm. watching or playing as cameo roles last year but now actually you feel part of the team the, the camaraderie everything together yeah yeah I feel it's a great group uh, everything is everyone is uh, trying to help each other every day in training and, and in games and if everyone if anyone does anything that we can uh, for example we've got a lot, of, a lot of experienced players and and me as I'm still quite a young player so uh, if Paki or any of the more experienced player can help me with everything I'm, or anything I'm just trying to take and learn from them uh, yeah. and then uh, yeah so we, like you said I feel like I'm I'm more used to the championship and English football and, and also more settled in with the group as well so Did it surprise you the biggest the difference to championship football from what you were used to before? Um, of course I've heard a bit that it's a tough league as well but I don't think you can uh, 
I, I don't think you can really imagine how tough it is until you're here playing. So uh, it's every game is a tough game. It's like Tuesday we went to QPR uh, and that's a tough game. And now we went here to play against Swansea. That's a totally different game, but still a very hard one. So um, yeah, we went away with two great wins. So we're happy. I said about feeling together with the group. Just tell me about the summer when everyone got together to watch England and Sweden, which wasn't a great day for you or your country. <coughs> but it must have been a nice moment for you to be included in that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it was. A, we had a good time. We went to to Bailey Wright's uh, place. To we had some uh, some food and that. So it was a great time. Uh, unfortunately, Sweden couldn't uh, <laughs> couldn't win the game. So I had a Sweden shirt on. Everyone with English shirts, but uh, yeah, my Sweden shirt came off after in the second half. So <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. You're going to tell me that you don't mind playing either side, but you must have a preference which side you play. To be honest, it's uh, today I play on the left. Uh, I. I'm not sure if I'm. Uh, yeah, I've got the one and I crossed it into yeah. to the goal. So, uh, of course, it's easier to take it down the line and cross it with my left foot. But when I play on the right side, I can also cut inside a bit more. So, to be honest, I, I would say I don't really mind it because it, I can. It's like good things with both of them. Uh, uh, so yeah, I can play on the left and and the right as well. Nicholas Eliasson, then Gregor, is he someone that is starting every week now? Um, certainly at the moment, I think he's been excellent. Um, I, it, it's unfortunate, but he doesn't actually get the assist, does he, for, this, for that goal? Yeah. Why not? Is that because there was a bit of a scramble? Yeah. Because it was his ball. I mean, Vyman did brilliantly to break the play up against Swansea, get it out to Elias, and that's what I like about Vyman. What a lot of people don't see, because maybe if Elias hadn't got that ball back in, is what Vyman does with his link-up play, and it's so good. Mm. So he breaks the play up, uses the ball, and he doesn't always get it back. But Eliasson did really well in that situation. Had a couple of bad crosses, but still starting for you on Sunday? Yeah, I would do. As I say, it's annoying that he doesn't get the official assist there because he would be on three assists. Mm. And I think that would place him at the, at the top or equal top with the top assisters in the league. But regardless, I mean, his crossing has been great this season. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a regular supply of chances, if not goals even. So, yeah, I, I want to see him keep keep doing that. And also his set pieces have been really good, the corners, mm. I think. So. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Uh, let's hear now from the exiled Robin, which I thought like he was under a big pseudonym, but it turns out he's just called Paul because you called him Paul all the way through the interview. So uh, it's not some big secret identity. In what way is he exiled? Uh, he lives over in Wales. Oh, OK, I see. So exiled over the, the Seven Bridge by himself, no one else. And he had a chat with us this week, some really interesting stuff in this little chat about how, you know, maybe you as a Bristol City fan or maybe some other Bristol City fans view Lee Johnson. We get his thoughts on that because for me and, and Gregor, as people that sort of facilitate the conversation and look on, write words about your team, we really love to know what you think. Uh, so here is the Exxon Robin talking about that and also talking about Bristol City in general and at the end, how one ex-Bristol City club is faring at his new club. So, here is the exiled Robin talking to Gregor. Do you think there's still a big uh, faction that maybe uh, don't quite believe in Lee and what he's doing there? Yes, I think there is. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I mean, there's some debate as to whether that stretches back to his time as a player and where he was very much a bit of a Marmite figure. Um, but I think there's, there's a couple of things at play here. I think for, for, for Lee Johnson, yes, if you get defeated in your third game of the season, that shouldn't have that sort of reaction come out but when you've not won much in the last five months and you've been on a dreadful run from January it's it's easier to, to have that sort of reaction 
Uh, I think the other thing is against Middlesbrough especially the first goal was a shocker between two new signings uh, in Jack Hunt and Adam Webster and I think you look at the players that have gone who have been you know, heroes for us for a few years and quality players and there were doubts over the replacement brought in and that obviously then gets pointed at Lee and at Mark Ashton and fans start to worry about what's actually going to happen this season I, I do think after the Borough game there was a genuine worry amongst a lot of fans that we were going to be in for a real scrap and a struggle this season and we may still well but you know, hopefully what we've shown in the last two games is that he can get us going again he can keep a clean sheet um, I think for me the two big question marks over Johnson are is can he organise us defensively and there were signs of that last season when and he's pointed to it to be fair this week with when Pisano was fit when Joe Bryan Aidan Flint were top of their games and Nathan Baker we were solid at the back that fell away in the second half of the season and the concern was we didn't seem to know how to do anything about it we didn't seem to get any better in fact the evidence of a whole game at the end of the season show we'd even got worse at you know st- stopping opposition teams scoring and getting a good position. I think that's the real key for him. He's got to show he can organise us defensively, be tighter, keep more clean sheets, and also if we, God forbid, get on one of these losing runs again of three or four matches, we've got to stop that three or four matches becoming seven, eight, nine, which has been a trait of his career so far. Yeah, I completely hear you there. I mean, from my own point of view, um, I think to be fair to Lee. Obviously, a lot of supporters pointed out the dreadful run of form in 2018. But by the same token, that kind of misses out that he he got the uh, city up to second place uh, in the first half. You know, so obviously it was a dreadful season of yeah give and take last year. But um, plenty of good things as well as bad things. I think it's maybe just a case of the timing that obviously people remember what's just happened and uh, maybe forget a little bit they did take them up to second place so uh, do you feel like things are sort of clicking together a little bit at the moment after those two away victories yeah I think you've got to haven't you you know the performance against QPR wasn't necessarily the best performance and certainly I can't ever remember seeing a 3-0 win where we played not not poorly that's not fair but not played that well for a 3-0 win um saying that performance on Saturday I thought was outstanding I thought all over a pitch we were better than men we stopped everything they tried to throw at us um, certainly until Leroy Fair came on um, and again the, yeah, the signings what the signing of Thomas Callas looks a masterstroke he looked like he'd been playing there for four years on Saturday just settled in straight away he seemed to settle Webster down um, Lloyd Kelly can only learn alongside him and yeah I think, I think there's a gen general positivity I think like all these things you tend to find the negative voices come to the fore a little bit and that's what causes the reaction and the arguments and the, and the discussion on social media and on the forums but I think generally most people are happy with the steady-ish progress the club is making we've not gone and blown 20 million like Forrest but then we're with a buffer in the table um, but we've, we've still spent 10 million you know I don't think we, you know roughly well, it's all undisclosed. We're not quite sure. We think we spent about ten million. So it's not as if we haven't spent the money. We're trying to progress. We've brought in younger players than the ones that have left. We've brought in a bit of a championship experience, and I think we've got to just hope that they can continue to gel together at this level. What, what do you think, Paul, about the makeup of the squad? Do you think there's any weaknesses there at all? Are you happy with the recruitment they've done? And do you think maybe they need to bring in someone for cover for Corey, or do you think they've got enough there to see them through until January? Well, I think before Kamas was signed, I, saw, I tweeted out, I, think, I thought we needed a cover in all of the core positions. I think your goalkeeper, centre-back, centre-midfield and centre-forward. Um, Callas obviously has come in, that's great. Centre-midfield, I wasn't overly concerned about, but obviously Corey Smith's injury means we are really short there. You know, if there's an injury to Josh Brownhill now, we've got a problem there, I think, for, for the season in terms of someone who can get in and win, win balls and win second balls. Um, up front, we're very reliant on Deju staying fit now he's back in the team if he 
were to have another long injury, we were again reliant on smaller, less physical players being up there, and we would have to adapt our style to help with that and play with that. So I do still think we need cover. Um, a goalkeeper, I think mine has impressed most people after maybe maybe being at fault for the goal at Bolton but he's coming for crosses on Saturday I thought it was outstanding he controlled his box he settled the defenders down made everyone feel at ease but yeah I think it's, for me central midfield is the area I'd like to get a, if we had to get one signing in now one loan signing it would be central midfield someone to be cover for Brownhill and Pack I was saying last season to Michelle that I honestly thought if the club lost Jay Bryan that in some respects that wouldn't be the worst thing because I actually think Lloyd Kelly will be a better left back myself than, than Joe but maybe Joe might be the better left wing back if you, if, if you want to pin it down um, just wanted to finally ask you about like the former players and everything um, obviously you must have kept an eye on them do you, do you think they all made the right move I'm, I'm going to put the cat amongst the pigeons here a little bit and um, what have you made of them since they've made their, their moves elsewhere I think they all made understandable moves. Um, I think Joe Bryan, in the end, naturally. I think Villa would have been a bit of a disappointing one if he'd gone there, but obviously going to Fulham, a team that plays football, an attacking style should suit him, and I think we've seen that from the brief highlights you've seen of him going forward. Aidan Flint, you know, was on the podcast, I know, you know, last week talking about that, and it seemed very sensible. He's got a better chance of going up with Middlesbrough. I don't think we can deny that. Um, and he's playing for a manager who will value his attributes very, very strongly and won't ask him to play out from the back and, and won't ask him to, do, you know, do too much on the ball, which, you know, should suit his game even more. Um, I think Bobby Reid, I think, yeah, so understandable in that there was only one Premier League club who had made an offer for him that we had accepted, so he's got to go for that chance. I think you already started to see he might struggle in that kind of team in terms of where he's been asked to play, how he's been asked to play, and, the, and the, not the quality of players he got alongside him, but the style of players alongside him. I'm not quite sure they got the players to bring out the best in him. They certainly haven't got a Jamie Patterson type who's quick and in all around him and wants to do his little one-two touches and, and create the space for Bob, Bobby in the way he had here. And that's got to be the one, I think, keeping a close eye on in terms of a, you know, possibly not working out so well. But then he's playing in the Premier League he's got a very nice salary and I'm sure yeah, put himself a bit in a shop window and I'm sure he'll if he doesn't have a successful year I'm sure he'll still do a very good job in the Championship next year maybe maybe come back you never know, you never know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah well thanks very much Paul great to catch up and uh, great to have you on the podcast and uh, let's see what happens over the next few weeks so that was the XR Robin talking to Gregor Gregor we're going to come back to the fans and Lee Johnson in just a second but that bit on Bobby Reid I watched Bobby Reid last night for Cardiff and I completely see where he's coming from Bobby Reid initially was played out wide yesterday almost in a wing forward position Mm. didn't get much of the ball did what he always does worked really hard but he gave the ball away in midfield for Norwich to score their third yeah so not great but then he got an assist for Cardiff City's first goal of the season. He, he took a corner and uh, Bruno Magna scored a header from it. What do you think about what the XR Robin has said there and how do you think Bobby Reid is doing? Yeah, it's been a tough start for him without doubt and it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out and whether he's going to be able to force his way even into the Cardiff side. Obviously, they started with Kenneth Zahor up front the other day, didn't they? And I'm not too sure that there's sort of a role even like as a number 10 player you'll, you'll know better than me well yeah because I've spoken to Neil Warnock and he said that Bobby Reid's best position is as that 10 behind the striker but he also said at the end of the match yesterday he's got to protect his starting 11 
Now, Bobby Reid started last night in the League Cup, which would indicate that he's not in his starting 11 plans. So what does... I mean, I guess the only thing that Bobby Reid can do is come on and score goals, isn't it? It's the only thing. Yeah, it's an awkward situation, but, yeah, you do get injuries, the form changes, things things change, tactics will change. So it kind of will depend maybe on how Cardiff do, who they're up against. Don't forget, we're going to have plenty of midweek games coming up and stuff, so you might get more of a look in then when when there's rotation to be made. So, yeah, he's probably looking at the long term, isn't he, Bobby? And it's going to be an interesting one to see, especially if Cardiff were relegated, if they're relegated. Looking back down. down. Yeah. Any any chance, like you were saying there, that he come back to Bristol City? Any chance? Probably not. But... <laughs> uh, probably not, just speculation. Now, before the Bobby Reid chat, uh, there was the talk of Lee Johnson and some fans and what they thought of him after the Borough game and what you saw on social media and, and sort of a backlash against Lee Johnson and the realisation that, OK, maybe the 2018 form hadn't been great, but he was the man that had got them to the semi-final of the League Cup. He was the man that got them to second in the table. And you and I sort of thought, well, that seems a little bit harsh. Do you think, from what the XR Robin was saying there, that there are just some fans that will never be on board with Lee Johnson until he gets them promoted to the Premier League, until he wins the Premier League, until he wins the Champions League? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think I That's get, all tongue-in-cheek, by the way. <laughs> I, get, I get that impression. I, I do think there are some people maybe who just haven't taken to him for whatever reason, have got their own agenda and... Yeah, it might take something like that, some some real hard evidence and to yeah, for them to be swayed. But there are so so many good things that Lee Johnson has done. And don't get me wrong, yeah, I'm not suggesting that Lee Johnson is untouchable and that he's definitely gonna bring success to Bristol City. We all know um the cliche is a results game. He will have to get results and I, I I think it's interesting. I, I do honestly think it, it, it could be sort of a make or break time for Lee Johnson at the moment in terms of he's had this turnaround in his staff and if things go well and, and it's looking like they might do, then this, I, I think it could honestly be um, another Lee Johnson sort of touch of, uh, well, genius in a way in, in selling your three best players, bringing in new recruits and, and being all the better for it. So... We'll obviously have to look at the long term to judge on that. And, yeah, whether there's this hardcore, well, minority maybe who haven't accepted him, we'll have to see if they can be won over over the long period. But From what you're saying, just reading between the lines, do you actually think that Bristol City could compete for the playoffs this season? Well, my theory has always been that it was going to be difficult to start off with, but over the long term, then hopefully their stronger squad... And if the, once the players really gel and come together, then, yeah, I, I think maybe by the end of the season, my hope would be that they can, they can be up there and, and in the top half challenging, challenging again, really, for the top six. Whether it pans out that way, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, just two other points, though, on Lee Johnson. One pro and one negative from my, the way I see it is the callous thing. And it just seems a bit of an odd one. Was it always planned that he would come in? Or was it a case of just opportunity knocking and, and the the loan could happen and he could he could come in. Do you think it was planned? Do you think Johnson always had his sights set on him? Is that what you're saying? You think it was just chance? Well, from what Lee said, that might have been the case. I know, obviously, Lee said last week, didn't he, that basically the club had been waiting for a long time to see what was going to happen with Callas and that he was surprised that Bristol City got to the top of the pile. And that kind of indicates that maybe they had to wait around for other 
people to decide who they were going to go for, what options were mm. going to be on the table for Callas, and it's worked out well. So, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, but was it always planned? I would hope that basically it was. But the counterpoint I was going to make, and it, basically this is a pro point, is that it's irrefutable now about um, Lee Johnson creating all these strikers who are scoring goals. I mean, Weiman is the latest, isn't he? Don't we need to see Weiman have a whole season? Yeah, yeah. But are you telling me... I I strongly fancy him to hit what? I can't see him... He's got 20 right now, hasn't he? Yeah. At least. But I'd be mega surprised if he doesn't get more than 15, you know, from five already. So... So, and if he does do that, and there's a big chance, then... Let's go back to Lee Johnson taking taking charge right at the start. So, obviously, we had Tammy Abraham, then we had Bobby Reid. But when he took over and the club was struggling, who was the striker then? Codger. Jonathan Codger. And he was making him score. Yeah, although, to be fair, he came in... to be fair, he was already... Yeah, he was already scoring, wasn't he, when... Uh, under cots before yeah. before Lee took over in what February March. You, do you just think he knows how to get the best out of strikers? I think so, and I I, I would take he, great heart on that. Yeah, surprising because he he wasn't a striker. Yeah, yeah, and this is like four or five, well, three four guys now in a row that he's yeah got no, fully firing. So it's that's, very impressive. Let's see how yeah. Varma does for the rest of the season. Just before we go, we're going to hear from Ollie Slim now. If you don't know who Ollie is, he works at the Children's Hospice Southwest, and he explained to Gregor today about the relationship that the players have with the hospice. You might remember that we spoke to these guys a, a couple of months ago, and uh, thought it was a good time to check in with Ollie and hear what's been going on down here and what's coming up because I know they've got some special events coming up. Hi, Ollie. How are you doing? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. So. You know that, well, there's some stuff going on, isn't there, apparently, with some of the players, is that right? Some of the the new ambassadors, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, So, obviously, each season we get new ambassadors, and a few have gone on their merry way. Obviously, Bob's and Joe have left. So, we get new ambassadors each year, and um, so we've got about eight this year. I think more and more wanted to get involved. Um, so it's great. Um, Messrs. Brownhill, Kalama Dowda, uh, Taylor Moore, Marley Watkins have joined. You know, Marlon, Frank, um, Corey, Matty, um, Taylor. Matty Taylor. Yeah, also has joined in. So it's great to have those on board, and it's great that they have seen what we've done before and want to be a part of it and want to help spread the word about what this charity does. And, and it shows you what it means to them. And, um, and well, it's amazing what it, so it means so much to us guys as well here. So, yeah, it's brilliant. And um, we're going to do a big launch sometime soon. Um, but uh, on Friday, uh, we've got a big event down in Cabot. Um, four of them are coming down 12 to 1. So that's that will be Marlon Pack, uh, Josh Brownell, Calamadowda and Matty Taylor. 12 to 1 at Cabot Circus. Just a meet and greet. It's all free. It's nothing, you know, not making any money from it. Just a way for us to spread the word about Children's Hospice. So we're really buzzing for it, really. That's brilliant. I've just seen the club tweeting about it, actually. So, uh, yeah, fantastic to hear. And so, yeah, they'll just be speaking to people, will they, and spreading the, the word of what's going on here. Is that is that the plan? Yeah, they just just spread the charity word. So we've got a, a vinyl down there outside one of the shops um, with our logo, all of it. So the idea is everyone has a photo in front of it, spreads the word of Children's Hospice, um, you know, and get signed things and photos with them and have a chat. And, you know, hopefully those photos can spread the word even further afield. And you never know who's watching, whether it's a, a multi multi-billionaire wants to give us some money to keep this place open or you know a family that is really in need of our help so you know it's great have you heard from joe since he left or, or not yeah yeah we uh, we, we shared a, a, a text i'm a i'm a massive birmingham city fan don't tell anyone <laughs> even though i've just told the world um so the whole aston villa thing kind of made me sweat a little bit and um, so i'm buzzing that it was fulham in the end and yeah we shared a text then um, i'm actually um 
called Bobby this morning and I'm taking him up to see the Cardiff Hospice uh, next Thursday. So uh, he's given me a call, said, can they help? So it's nothing, that charity is not associated with us at all. They just do the same thing. Um, so yeah, me and Bobby are going to go and visit uh, Ty Haffen, is the charity that it's called in Cardiff. And so see, see how he can help them now. So, you know, it's amazing and just showed you what these lads are really about. Gregor, it's sort of heartwarming to hear that in a day where I think footballers have a very perceived image, what they get up to with the Children's Hospice South West, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. And they don't have to do that kind of stuff. So They do offer him back. Yeah. And I enjoy hearing about that side of stuff, to be honest, because the club doesn't always tell us. And so it's up to me to... <laughs> to go and <laughs> so find I'm out like, what's yeah, going on. Snoop around. And just a word on Joe Bryan, you know, he's, he's probably... you know, we, we, I genuinely hope that Bobby Reid starts firing really soon. But out of the players that have moved, I mean, Aidan Flint's doing well at Middlesbrough, but we talk Premier League, Joe Bryan's starting for Fulham. Yes, he's getting subbed off, but he's doing really well. But more than that, we know he's a great guy. Mm. And he was back in Bristol last week with his family. I saw on his Instagram. But then he went to QPR and watched in the away end, didn't he? He watched Bristol City in the away end. Yeah, he was there pictured, wasn't he, with uh, Matt Parsons, the... um, getting a picture with him, the um, support liaison officer. So... uh, yeah, great stuff. Great to see that, isn't it? Yeah, he's just he's just a normal bloke, isn't he, Joe Bryan? And uh, best of luck to him. And may, I know we've got the England squad announcement and things this this week, and and hopefully maybe in a few months he can force his way into Gareth Southgate's thoughts. Back to the here and now, Blackburn Rovers at the weekend. What are we saying, Gregor? Uh, hopefully we're going to see a first home win for uh, Bristol City this season. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's hard to think after the last week because there were two back-to-back away wins. First time Bristol City have won back-to-back league fixtures since December. Can they make it three in a row? Hopefully, hopefully. Um, obviously, Rovers are going to be tough to break down. They're in good form themselves. And uh, I picked up Harrison Reed as well in the week. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be easy. So uh, if I had to make a prediction, I would go for 1-0 City. And before Friday, are Bristol City making any signings? I'm going to go for no, but uh, to be confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so non-committal. You sound, you sound like we're interviewing a football manager. <laughs> He's got his sassed. Gregor, thank you for your time. Thank you to Ollie from Children's Hospice Southwest and the XR Robin and to Nicholas Eliasson for coming on the podcast as well this week, speaking to Adam Baker. We'll be back next week when we'll be looking back at the loan window as a whole because Adam Baker is going to be here with us on Transfer Deadline Day. He gave us such a good insight into what happens. We'll have him back on to talk about the loan market, to talk about Bristol City's start the season as we go into the international break and review the Blackburn Rovers game as well. Thank you for listening and if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services based in Bristol who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557. Robins on the Wire.